Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Amen. Good morning, church. Before I start, just to mention that there's no prayer call tomorrow. Amen. We'll meet again uh, next week. Hallelujah. We have been talking uh, the past few weeks, we have been uh, looking at the subject of power lines and life in the spirit. Amen. What really is life in the spirit? What does that mean? We've covered that uh, in, in some detail in the past, but I just want to strip it back to what does it mean in simple terms. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 reads, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Amen. We will go on further into it, but in simplicity, that's what it means. Setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. Setting our minds on the things that really matter. Amen. Sarah gave quite a, an interesting illustration when she preached about four weeks ago with the spray. I don't know if we still remember the spray. We need to realize that we are here for a certain time. And let's make our lives matter in that time that we are here. Let's make our lives matter. Let's focus. My life is still here. Right, I've been given this. Just to say, yes, it's still here. Yes, it still works. But it's gone. You are here now. Tomorrow you are not here. And what will define your life? What will you be known for? Amen. Setting our minds and our lives on the things of the Spirit. Salvation is a first and very necessary step but after that, there is a whole life that must be lived through the power and the enablement of God. Amen. Through the power and the enablement of God. I'll read something that I, I found that I thought was very interesting. It says here, when Jesus' earthly ministry was in operation, he and the Holy Spirit always worked together. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 1, verse 35. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit, Matthew 3, verse 16. He was led by the Holy Spirit, Matthew 4, verse 1. Jesus also healed people by the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit, Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. He was resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And he was seated at, the, at God's right hand in the heavenly places through the power of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. 
Every time we see Jesus in the Gospels, he is working hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus needed this kind of ongoing partnership with the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish his divine role here on this earth, we certainly need the Holy Spirit as well. I definitely need the Holy Spirit to accomplish the plans and the purposes that God has for me on this earth. And you also need that empowerment from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And how do we live then this life in the Spirit that we've been talking about? Because unless we go there, unless we look into it, then how do we live it on a daily basis? Then I believe we would have done ourselves a disservice. Number one is total surrender to God. Amen. A life of surrender to God is one that constantly says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my life. And thereafter, actually move out of the way and let God have his way in our lives. Because it's so easy for me to say to God every day, Lord, your will be done in my life. And yet I stand in the way of God from accomplishing his purposes in my life. I need to move to the side and let him work in and through my life. Now, the will of God is not necessarily what we may have hoped for or planned for in our lives. But a life surrendered to God accepts that God's way is the best. I may not know it, I may not see it, but we must believe that God's plans and purposes for our lives are better than we can ever imagine ourselves. Amen. For we see in part, God has seen our beginning. God has seen our end. He has seen the days in between. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, there is this account of Jesus going through this painful moment in his life. He was on his way to the cross. Remember, this is the Son of God. Now walking the earth as the Son of Man. And yet, he has the same feelings that you and I encounter. Pain, disappointment. And he prays here in the Luke chapter 22, verse 42 says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He's saying, Father, this is too painful for me. I know, yes, you had planned this for eternity, but this is painful. This is hard for me to bear. If possible, remove it from my life. However, not my will, but your will be done. Even though I'm going through this pain, this hardship, Lord, nevertheless, Lord, your will be done in my life. The Son of God. A life of surrender is one that acknowledges and accepts that God knows best. Amen. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, which was where the title of my message really comes from. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, this day-to-day life that I live here on earth, I no longer live it my way, but I live it by faith in Christ Jesus who gave himself for me. And that's where we ought to be. That's the place that we ought to be in as believers, where we say, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ in me. But the question that I have for us this morning is, do we allow Christ to live in us? We can be saved, but do we allow him to live in us? We must give ourselves completely to him and serve him alone as one master. The scripture says you can't serve two masters. You can't have your focus on the spiritual and your focus on the natural. It says those who live according to the spirit will set their minds on the things of the spirit. completely surrender to him. If you serve two things, the scripture says you will always disappoint one. You can never satisfy both. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Amen. There's one word that appears in verse 5 and verse 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not with part of your heart, all your heart. And verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Amen. And that there is what total surrender to God means. All our ways, all our life entrusted to him. All our heart sold out for him. That's the whole essence of surrender. We can have many definitions of surrender, what it is. But the one thing I want to point out, in the natural, surrender means something completely different. It's the same end result, but how you get there is completely different to the spiritual. In the natural, people surrender for only one reason. Because they have been overcome. Because they have been defeated. Because they have no choice but to give in. In the spiritual is the complete opposite. When we come to God, God is only interested in joyful surrender, willful surrender to him. Amen. Not forced. If you do anything for God out of compulsion, it counts for nothing. It must be from a willing heart. Total and complete surrender. 
holding nothing back. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Again, it's that word, all, all, all. In each of those instances that are mentioned, one, heart, number two, soul, number three, strength, they are preceded by the word, all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That's how we ought to save a great and mighty God that we serve. A spirit-led life is one that is all in. Nothing left behind, all in. There's a Scottish preacher who lived in the 1850s who said this. He said, the entrance fee to the kingdom of heaven is nothing. Free. That's the entrance fee to the kingdom of heaven. But he says, the annual subscription is everything. Everything given to God. Once we are in everything, you can't save God half-half. You can't have your foot this side and the other this side. It is everything. Now we may say, well, we have a lot to lose. But hold your horses. You don't have anything to lose. God himself will help you surrender. God will help us surrender. The entrance fee, remember that statement, the entrance fee to the kingdom of heaven is nothing. And the annual subscription is everything surrendered completely to him. Now with his old life crucified with Christ, Paul then says, the new life that I live, I live by faith in Christ Jesus who gave himself up to me. He says, by faith. And I want to move on to that faith now. Faith in God. When I was growing up, there's a song that is, I don't know whether it's still even played nowadays. There's a song that said this. Where is your faith? Is it in the Lord? Simple song. Where is your faith? Is it in the Lord? Now people have faith in different things. But a spirit-led life must have its faith and trust in God. Life in the spirit is trusting in the being of God. Trusting God for who he is. Period. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Must believe that he is. As simple as that statement may sound, but that's the bottom line, that's the foundation of our Christian faith. When we come to him, we must believe that God is, God exists. Apart from him, there is no other. We must believe that he is. Life in the spirit is trusting God for the manifestation of what we don't see. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. We sang a great song this morning. I wish Sarah were here. I would ask her to, to, to sing just those, those verses. It says, Though I don't see it, 
Though I don't feel it, I know you are working. Yes, I've been believing you for this thing, but I don't see it, but I know you are working. The fact that I don't see it yet does not mean you are not there. If you had faith for something that you already see, then you don't need faith for it. We need faith for the things that we don't see. So in our relationships with God, let that be our foundation. That we have faith. Faith in God. Life in the spirit is trusting in God's faithfulness without wavering. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? It says he is not man that he should lie. So when we don't see things happening around our lives, our faith must continue being steadfast in God because it doesn't lie. The scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes. He may have done it for so and so. God is no respecter of persons. He is able to do it for me. So our faith must be steadfast in God. Whatever challenges that you are going through at the moment, let your faith be steadfast in God. Yes, we will go through pain, as I said earlier, but our faith must be steadfast in God. Life in the Spirit is trusting God in spite of our circumstances. In spite of our circumstances. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no head in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Yes, my prayer still hasn't been answered. Yet, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yes, the job that I've been hoping for still hasn't come. Yet, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yes, I've been believing for my children, my family to be saved. That hasn't happened. Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. My faith in God is not determined by the circumstances around my life. He is a God who does not change. Hallelujah. Life in the Spirit means living by and submitting our lives to the Word of God. There is no other way for us as believers. Submitting ourselves to the Word of God. The Word of God is the voice of God to us. And it is Spirit and it is life, as John chapter 6 verse 63 says. It is Spirit, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The word of God has power to impart life in our lives. Amen. 
But we must submit ourselves to the word of God. That again is surrender, surrendering to the word of God. John chapter 14 verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It can't get any simpler than that. If you love me, keep my commandments. What is he saying here is, if you love me, the proof is in the pudding. Simple. We can debate for all day long, but it's so simple. If you love me, you will keep my word. That's what God says. Now, keeping the word of God is not merely hearing the word of God or reading the word of God, but it is in doing the word of God. James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25 reads, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing himself in his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Yes, it's good, it's good that we have had many sermons. It's good we have gone to many conferences. It's good that we have gone to the com, the com group every week and we have shared the word of God. But then we need to move on. What have we done with the word of God that we have been fed with, that we feed ourselves with? Scripture says we must move on and be doers of that word. The scripture is actually very frank and brutal. It says, if you are not a doer of the word, it says you are deceiving yourself. Not anyone. You are not deceiving your pastor. You are not deceiving your spouse. It says you are deceiving yourself. And I will go on further and say, you are actually shortchanging yourself because the word of God has power to change your life and my life if we walk in it and we do the word of God. Scripture says the word of God is living and it is powerful. The word of God, not my words. Hallelujah. A spirit-led life is a life that does the word of God. Amen. Now as we continue living according to the spirit, our lives are transformed by the power of God to be more and more like him. His life and his character becomes manifest in and through us. We can then, like Paul, truly say, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And when we reach out to the lost and the needy in our communities, with the gospel of Christ, our own lives bear testimony to the message that we share with those around us. You cannot separate a messenger from a message. Sometimes a message is despised not because the message is bad, but because the messenger is bad.
what kind of a messenger am I? Yes, there is the Great Commission. We ought to be out there delivering the good news of the gospel. But there is a responsibility upon each one of us that in our own lives, away from the lies, away from the cameras, we cultivate a fruitful life in Christ. And we can only do that by living life in the Spirit, living life the way God intended us to live it. Then when we go out there, our lives, our character actually testify to what we are preaching. How many times have you heard of politicians falling from power because of character issues? You cannot fool people. Eventually, character catches up with us. As we live in Christ, the character of God rises up inside of us. We have a great vision here in Com Church, as I've already said, to reach out to the lost and the needy in our community. And every single one of us are important to the accomplishment of that vision. And we must each take it upon ourselves to ensure we are the best messengers. deliver the message of Christ. Now Jesus tells us what the messengers should be. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Simple says a good messenger is one whose light shines. A good messenger is one whose flavor is still there. Not that the flavor and the light we can build that up in our lives. Amen. The light in me is down to me how much I want it to shine, how brightly I want it to shine. The flavor in my life is just down to me. How much it is tasty. But as we submit to God, our light and our flavor will shine forth. And as the scripture says, as that happens, it says the, the people around us will see our good works and they will do one thing beyond that. It says they will glorify your Father in heaven. I have the potential for people around me to glorify the Father in heaven because of my life. That's how important my life is. That's how important your life is. People will glorify the Father because of you. 
And conversely, people will stay away from Christ because of our lives. If the message does not align with the messenger, people simply won't believe the message that we are preaching. Now, yes, Paul is saying here, as I said, it is no longer I who lives. That's a a pretty nice statement, nice sentence to say over and over again. But Christ will only live in us as much as we allow him to live. He will only transform our lives to the extent that we allow him to. That's why you can see two believers who both came to the Lord at the same time and yet they could be polar opposites in their lives. How much did I allow Christ in me, the hope of glory to shine forth in my life? That responsibility lies with me. Let's not cling to our lives, but rather surrender to him daily. Dwight L. Moody, a 19th century evangelist, said this. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can ever do. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can ever do. Sometimes we hold on to the things that we we knew before. We hold on to our old lives because we feel that we will miss out, we will lose out. But God will do more with our lives if we surrender them to him. Simple example is the Lord Jesus Christ. In three years, because he surrendered his life to God, in three years from the moment he was baptized to the moment he died, he accomplished a lot of things, more than many people will accomplish in multiple lifetimes. And the only reason that he did that was that he was surrendered and submitted to God. That is life in the spirit. You might be sitting here and thinking, wow, this is hard. How can I do this? But a wonderful God made provisions for that. Before Jesus went to the cross in John chapter 14, he says, I will pray the Father. Maybe the choir can come up if you can. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Because I'm going away, I'm no longer here with you, but I will pray that the Father will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come into you. He is not asking us to do anything out of our own power or ability. He says, I will give you the ability. Do you want to take hold of the ability I have given you? 
we can accomplish so much more with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Before the disciples went out to start their ministry, to start preaching, healing the sick, raising the dead, Jesus gave them one instruction. As much as he was desperate for every lost soul out there to be saved, he said this to his disciples, do not go out there. The first thing I want you to do, go to the upper room and wait until the Holy Spirit is poured on high on you. Yes, I know there's a great work I want you to do out there, but before you start, go and wait in the upper room until I empower you with the Holy Spirit. Now they were obedient to Jesus. They went to the upper room. Now he never told them how long to wait. But in faith, they just believed. He has asked us to wait. That's what we will do. For all they knew, they could have been waiting there for a week, for a month, for years. But they just obeyed and went and waited. And once the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, the first, the very first thing that we see is Peter the same person who was denying Jesus, he stands there and preaches to people. And that day, 3,000 people were saved. That's what the power of God will do in our lives. It will cause us to accomplish a lot of things. 3,000. I will probably be happy the day I preach out there, I stand there in Asda and preach and five people get saved. I will go home rejoicing. But Peter is standing there. 3,000 people are saved because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And now he did not need to debate with them, to fight with them. He preached the word of God and the one thing that they said when he stopped, this is pretty amazing. The one thing that they said, no arguments whatsoever. They said, what must we do? When they heard that word preached with the power of the Holy Spirit, they said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? Now they hungered to be saved. Now they hungered for the hand of God to touch their lives and their hearts. Men, what must we do to get saved? As we go out there in the power of the Holy Spirit, God will do the work. We are only vessels. Sometimes I think we put the pressure on ourselves to say, what will people think? Rob is always on about this when he speaks about healing. He says, no, no, no. Don't worry what will happen. That's for God. All we have been asked to do is to lay hands on the sick and pray. The rest is up to God. I can't heal anyone. Rob can't heal anyone. All we can do as believers is to do our part. is a very fair God as I said he has given us his spirit to do the work we thank God we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit anymore like the disciples they tarried in the upper room praying and praying and praying and praying but the day we get born again God gives us his spirit we simply need to walk in partnership with the Spirit of God and allow Him to do a great work in our lives and through our lives. 
Now, this is, for, this is not for him who got born again yesterday, but it's for all of us that we should desire to walk in the manifestation of the power of God. I would ask if we could all stand up. Just want us to go into a time of prayer. Hallelujah. God has already given his spirit. He is not looking for a 30-year-old Christian. He is not looking for a lifelong Christian. The only one requirement that he is looking for is a willing heart. Someone who says, Lord, I'm ready, use me. He can do more with a willing heart than an established Christian who is not willing. And I would invite this morning anyone, if you just want that recommitment to the Lord to say, I am willing, my heart is willing. I know that I'm not going to do this with my own strength. You have more pro made provisions for that. Your Holy Spirit will strengthen me and empower me. All I am giving you today is my heart to say, Lord, I am willing. Use me. In my workplace, in my community, in my school, all I am doing, Lord, is say, here I am. Use me. Remember that quotation we read. He can do more with our lives than we can ever do ourselves. So we may come to the front if you wish us to pray with you and to pray together. All of us, I believe, we need that touch from the Lord for us to be effective ministers of a great God. We need to always walk out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be here and you are not saved and you are wondering, no, how can I do this? There's so many things that I'm struggling with, I can't get rid of them. But as I said, the only thing that God is asking for is for a willing heart. He will do the rest. All he wants is someone who says, I am here, Lord. Here is my life. He will do the rest. If God wanted us to sort out our lives before we come to him, I'm pretty sure none of us would have made the cut in that area. None of us would have needed a savior if we could sort out our own lives, if we could sort out our own challenges. But all he says is, come to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will not give yourself the rest that you so desperately crave for. He says, I will give you the rest. I will take care of that situation myself. Come as you are. There are songs that we hear about coming to God in our filthy rags. That's what God wants. Come just as you are. And I will do the rest. As long as your heart 
is ready and willing. He says, I will do the rest. Father, we give you praise. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless you.